The Spiritual Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence, where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free. I'm Richard Lawrence, and this is an Ethereus podcast. We're also syndicated on these radio networks on the first and third Saturdays of the month. Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, Transformation Talk Radio, WTRM, the Trim Radio Network, and Oneness Talk Radio. So we're going to carry on with our six ways to cultivate enlightenment, which we started last week. We covered the first two, sufficient care, sufficient kindness. And these are based on a statement made by Mars Sector 6 in the fourth freedom delivered through Dr. George King. And it's an alteration of the vibrational level of our entire consciousness. That's what enlightenment is. It includes the aura to a higher level of frequency. So it's in fact a transmutation of mind energy upwards into a state of being which we call enlightenment. So these aren't the steps to attaining that state. These are ways to cultivate it, to tend it, to nurture it. And we're given six of them. We're going to look at two more this week. So we want to avoid dissipation, contamination. We want to bring about control, which is not easy when we're dealing with the force of Kundalini and the awakening of higher chakras. We're going to need all the advice we can get. So we've looked at the first two. We're going to look at the others. But before we do that, let's hear again that extract in which Mars Sector 6 gives us this extremely valuable guidance. The freedom... Enlightenment is the fruit of which can be cultivated in the spiritual garden of terrestrial man if he tends it with sufficient care sufficient kindness, sufficient patience, sufficient tolerance. If he tends it with intelligence, if he tends it by manipulating his karmic pattern through the right service, this will grow, will blossom, and will bear all fruits. So now we're on to the third way and we need to practice it now so that when enlightenment really does start to dawn, we're prepared for it. And that third way here is sufficient patience. Now let's talk about someone who was really enlightened. In fact, he was above the stage of enlightenment described in the fourth freedom, and that is Dr. George King. And he sometimes described himself as bad 
tempered. I think that was very modest of him, and I told him so at the time, actually. How difficult it must have been for him to be as enlightened, as advanced in cosmic wisdom even, as he was, and to be surrounded by people who didn't have a clue when compared to him. And I don't just mean the people of Earth as a whole, although that was a massive, I believe, a massive disappointment to him and something that caused him real grief as well as frustration. Uh, it, it almost broke his heart. The uh, ignorance, the rejection of great wisdom by humanity as a whole, he knew that he was revealing the greatest thing the earth had ever seen, uh, and yet that that world, for the most part, didn't recognize it. How patient would you have to be to continue on doggedly in the face of that? And even those close to him, couldn't see the real significance, uh, were way behind him. And he told me personally on several occasions how difficult it was for him to be patient with others whose minds lagged way behind his. And may I say that, of course, you can do that by slowing yourself down, but if you slow yourself down, then you slow your mission down, you slow your, your wisdom down, and you can't or you don't choose and you shouldn't choose to do that. In fact, that's even more important, actually, than being patient with the people around you. So it's being patient while not slowing down yourself. I think that's quite a, a thing, especially for someone like Dr. King, but the lesson is there for all of us. And, of course, the more enlightened you are, the greater powers of concentration and realisation uh, uh, will need to be. I mean, I'm not going to agree with the English playwright Ben Johnson, if you've ever heard of him in the 17th century, who described patience as the asinine virtue. It's not. It's a wonderful quality. And the more enlightened we become, the more we'll need it. But you can see almost where he was coming from. It's much easier to be patient when you're a less intelligent person in the company of a more intelligent person than it is the other way round. And the less intelligent person probably won't know that they're less intelligent, which requires even more patience. How much more so than when you are enlightened? So there is, though, another aspect of this, which is, as I mentioned, not to let those who are less enlightened deflect you from your purpose because you are more obligated than they are to pursue it because, as the old saying God goes, God expects more from those who are closer to him, or I should say it. So the enlightened person who's engaged in service in the world, and this day and age, every enlightened person will be engaged in service to the world, uh, that person has to keep that going as well. So we have sufficient patience, and I'm only given aspects of these, I'm sure you could probably think of many others. Again, the word sufficient, though, not unlimited patience, but sufficient, sufficient care, sufficient kindness, a great balance. And now we have the fourth one, sufficient tolerance. An enlightened person should be recognized by everyone on earth. Uh, they would be on certain other planets, uh, and they would be on the higher mental realms actually of this planet. That's the levels above us. We've talked about those before, where the more advanced souls pass on their demise. But on this realm, with its war, its greed, its cruelty, its ignorance, 
those few souls who have demonstrated their enlightenment are generally not recognized, at least in their own lifetimes. The people who are recognized are people who are more popular, more appealing, more understandable to the, sorry to put it this way, the ordinary person. A more enlightened person, probably it'll go way above the heads very often. Uh, at the time, sometimes they get recognized, of course, a lot later. And that requires them to be tolerant because they know uh, of the truth they're, real, they're realizing and they have to be tolerant of those around them who don't. Uh, in fact, they might even be decried. So they, again, don't accept the standards but they, of the ordinary person, but they have to tolerate the situation they find themselves in they aren't going to go into retreat because, as the master theorist memorably put it in 1960 through Dr. King, and I quote, today it is service in the noise, service in the clatter, service in the foulness, in the smell, in the ignorance of mankind. Uh, I think those words spoken through Dr. King to a public audience sum up the situation perfectly. In the past, an aspirant would seek out a beautiful, harmonious setting, but today we are in the noise, the clatter, the foulness, the smell, by the way, can be a psychic smell, and the ignorance, and it that has to be tolerated. You can't fight it. It has to be tolerated in order to serve. So these are different aspects of sufficient tolerance. We've heard sufficient care, sufficient kindness, Again, the word sufficient being crucial. Uh, as we've heard, uh, we hear every week, actually, from the voice of Lisa Rosser, who introduces the show, materialism counts for nothing on this show, but material things do count for something. We have to use them to exist, and we use them to give effective service to others. It's when you go too far and you fall into that trap and you think they are the be-all and end-all, You've fallen over the edge into the precipice of materialism. So I think we have here, again, a very balanced approach advocated by Mars Sector 6, not as the road to enlightenment, but as ways to nurture that enlightenment as we tread that road. And I think its vice, which as far as I'm concerned anyway, is far more valuable than it might seem at first sight. What think you, Darren Ball? Yeah, I think what you've um, what you said there has really struck me, Richard, because it makes me think. You know, it's not just not just of the patience of Dr. King um, and what he, you know the patience he showed with people who were on side, as it were, on board with spirituality, but people who were downright hostile, even rude in their ignorance, and as you say, would have decried him in his time. And hmm. gosh, you know, it's it's like it's one thing you know to 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 face that as an ordinary individual, but for someone who knows, who realizes their oneness with all things, and can see that godliness that spark of god in all people even those actively you know challenging you being rude ignorant and trying to take you down is it's uh it, yeah it's difficult to imagine remarkable what that would be like. absolutely remarkable yeah. yeah anyway for listeners tuning in for the first time the nine freedoms is a series of profound spiritual teaching combined advanced extraterrestrial intelligence known as mars sector six and you can find out more about the nine freedoms what they are and how they were given at ethereus.org that's a-e-t-h-e-r-i-u-s.org Richard and I really do appreciate hearing from everybody who's listening, especially your questions and your experiences. And uh, I do pick out something to share on every social. So if you haven't written to us yet, uh, do drop us a line at spiritualfreedom at richardlawrence.co.uk with those questions. 
comments, or even your own moment of truth that you'd like to share. So this week, Richard, we have a question, another uh, actually an experience that I wanted to share from somebody, um, which yeah. I thought was, was particularly remarkable. It goes yes. as such. A number of years ago, because of my husband's job, we had to move about 250 miles north into a new community. I did not know anyone in this new place and was determined to create a new life for myself, which I did. I decided to try and get spiritual healing into the local hospital and through a sequence of events, eventually met the vice president of nursing of this hospital. She could not openly support me, but would behind the scenes help as best she could in a community where spiritual healing was considered work of the devil. She arranged for me to meet with all the department heads at the hospital to give a talk on spiritual healing, and I gave my first talk ever on spiritual healing. She said, if any of the department heads agree after the, sh- after the talk to allow me on their floor, that is where I could give healing. After my talk, I was asked to give a demonstration of healing treatment. I said that I would do kind of like a mock-up only, as were all the strangers staring at me in close quarters. I was just too nervous to do the real thing. So I demonstrated what I would do, and at one point said, you know, if the patient had a shoulder problem, I would place my hands on her shoulder, and I rested my hands on her shoulder two or three times when I was explaining these things. And after the meeting, I got a call from the vice president of nursing, and she said all the people were quite excited, because every time I placed my hands on my patient, the pain that the patient was known to have in her shoulder went away. So I was now allowed to walk the halls of the medical surgical floor to give spiritual healing with the approval of the head nurse I'd given that mock demonstration to. Wow, what a wonderful account. Thank you so much for sharing that with us on the Spiritual Freedom Show. I think actually, Darren, interestingly, uh, there's a lesson there in tolerance on both sides because the healer was tolerant of this absolute nonsense that healing comes from the devil, didn't stop her anyway going in and, and doing it. And actually the medical authority with their various prejudices or disbeliefs or what have you still could see the results, saw them and let her do it. So I think that's a, a wonderful case, don't you? I definitely do. And I think it also demonstrates a certain courage on behalf of the healer here. Indeed. You know, in the face yeah. in the face of disbelief, in the face of, you know, yeah. you know, you can imagine the real nervousness and anxiety they would have felt, you know, having to demonstrate in front of people who just, you know, were, you know, might have might as well have scoffed at what she was doing, and yet here she is, yeah. she's gone through with it. Um, yeah. and she's got a real results. Yeah. First freedom, bravery. Wonderful. Well done, that that person. Yeah, excellent. Well, I think that's a great and very, very positive example, actually, which we can all sort of follow in in many ways and take out in one way or another. It might not be healing. It might be teaching. It might be sharing wisdom. And uh, sometimes we have to do that. And sometimes it's, as I said last time, you know, we were not going to be popular for it. So uh, in doing that, let's remember the words we always close, close with. Service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. Thank you.